a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Liz and Matt. And we are here to talk about the second and sadly final Ewok movie, Ewoks <laughs> The Battle for Endor. This Where else a... did you want this to go, Brian? <laughs> oh, I got some questions, dude. We will get, <laughs> we will get to those questions in a little while. Um, but this film was released on television November 24th, 1985. Um, it is the, as I said, the, the direct sequel to the film before. I wasn't sure going in, before I started reading about this, how much these two films would connect. And they they certainly connect. This is very much one story kind of told over two films, for better and for worse. Um, so I'm going to throw down the gauntlet here to start. I think this was a much better movie than Caravan of Courage. For one very clear reason, which is just that, like, so one of the problems that, you know, I, I've, I've read about comic books a lot, right? And one of the comic book problems is if you're reading a comic called Batman, you know that Batman's not going to die in the issue more than likely. That's incredibly rare to have that happen. And I feel like when you're watching a movie about children and their families, you can usually breathe pretty easily knowing that those that, that family will not be uh murked in the first 10 minutes but that's not this know. movie i don't know if i could ever watch a movie again and assume that <laughs> yes in the first 10 minutes three of the four characters who we met in caravan of courage the family all but sindel are killed and and not like i mean no one is killed on screen you don't see like a you know a blaster take out Jindal's dad's head or something like you know no well no you see him get shot twice in the back and you do see that but there's not yeah. like a Zapruder film level oh, of, no, no, uh, yeah. of of gore here but it's also not ambiguous at all like they let you know these people are dead and yeah. while I don't endorse that I I think that this film actually had stakes because of that and we're going to talk more about Sindel later, but I thought this was a much better sort of overall film than the uh, than the first one. I'm interested to hear what you guys thought of this. Uh, I I I would say yes as a film. I I mean I've watched a lot of weird Star Wars stuff. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um. <laughs> You think this is weirder than the last one? Yeah. Oh, by far. Oh, I th I felt the exact opposite. That's really interesting. Really? Yeah. It's like Space Gift Yankees and, you know, Morgana the Rock Witch. It, I don't it, – it felt very much never-ending story in a way that the first one was more, like, cutesy. This was weird and dark for no reason. I think that's what is making me struggle comparing the two. I don't know. I do think it's the best movie poster I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I sent it to you guys immediately after. I'm going to definitely get a poster of it. It's just completely badass. Um, 
Well, your birthday uh, is tomorrow, Matt. So uh... yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> Liz, what did you think of this? Well, I, I have to say that I, I, I definitely thought this movie was darker, and I, I do feel like this one was. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I liked the first movie better. I, I, I don't know. It's I, like it's like comparing Fantasia to heavy metal. Yeah, <laughs> they have a lot of things that are very similar. They're both musically based. They have multiple, you know, vignettes. But you know, yeah, I, <laughs> one is just murder filled. And it was just it, there, yeah. And then like the pacing was odd. And then when. I don't know. And Wilford Brimley shows up for a while. <laughs> I, I know we'll get into some details. Um, yeah. It, I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I liked, uh, yeah, I liked his woodland creature. What was that guy's name? Teak. Teak. I don't know. Teak. Yeah. It was just very bizarre. Yeah. Very. I mean, it was bizarre. great to see what Jay, uh, what um, George R. R. Martin was doing before the book writing um just but i found i did find it a weird hero character choice and a weird choice to make him not wear pants to bed (laughs) and and then give sindel a blanket and then wicked like on his own not not for you you're furry enough i don't know why i i mean we there has to be a world where this was just a film and again it feels very Dungeons and Dragons. Those are a hundred percent Gith Yankee pirates, um, with a sorceress who is trying to find a mystical power source. That somebody just grabbed this script and was like, "Oh, I can shove an Ewok into this," <laughs> because so, it 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 just does. It, it's such a hard left turn that I, I it, it's very difficult to see them as like direct movies but they they are sequels by the fact that it is like three weeks after the first film or something yeah i mean it's Mm. it's if anything it's maybe six months maybe yeah i mean wicked has been able to learn english yes uh learn basic please we are we are in star wars i apologize um (laughs) but yes so i have a lot i i I did a bunch of reading about this I, i dug up I couldn't find a good like um, contemporaneous review of this. I was looking, I was trying to find like a newspaper review or something like that from the time that had anything re- like anything that would give sort of some context to what people thought of it. And I found a couple little things, but there wasn't like there was no article like inside the making of the Ewoks movies. So I feel like those articles did not happen for made-for-TV movies until the internet happened, right? Like, yeah. it cost well, I, money yeah. to print newspapers, and so people had to only print things that people wanted to read. So, yeah. you know, you couldn't find a lot of that. But I, I did... Could you imagine the Twitter outrage if this was, like, shown on television? Uh, just a bunch of <laughs> children getting murked? Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how this existed. It's very strange. Um... Before we get into the film, I have to share with you guys what I could only consider um, some sort of witchcraft slash divine intervention that happened to me yesterday. Okay. 
involving this film. So I told you guys that the, that this movie I had seen before, mm-hmm. that when I was five, uh, sorry, three years old, I guess it would have been, I was watching this movie with my parents. I was eating Chinese food and I threw up. And I remember being sick during this movie. I didn't eat Chinese food for 10 years after that. Last night, I was very tired after work. I was telling Liz I worked uh, 11 and a half hours yesterday. Oof. So then I came home and took a nap. And I woke up, and Erin said, I ordered us dinner. I said, oh, what'd you get? She said, you got me Chinese food. Red flag number one. <laughs> I ate the Chinese food and instantly felt sick. Oh. So I think that I am not allowed to watch the Battle for Endor and eat Chinese food. I can do one or the other. I can't do both together. I'm not allowed to okay. do that. So just going forward, I have to remember that if I ever watch this again. Which yeah, it, it, we'll it, it turns your stomach. Yes, That's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In some way or another. Um. Okay, so let let let's get into it. I I don't want to go like too deep into the beat by beat because I don't think anybody really wants us to do like a thorough dig into this, right? Go now. But but it begins like Sindel and, and Wicket are just like hanging out. They're best friends. Everything's awesome. Literally then, picking flowers, rolling through the forest. Yes, <laughs> just as idyllic of a of an opening as uh, as you can imagine. And then all of a sudden, an invading force shows up, and they are looking for something called the power, and no one really knows what they're talking about, but they start just killing Ewoks and anyone else that gets in their path, and we see Sindel is with Wicket, and then she runs off to try and find her family, and we see her encounter her brother and mom. The mom has already been killed, maybe definitely shot, and her brother... Is his name Mace? Is that correct? Yes. 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 Um, Mace basically tells her, "Go away, get get out of here." And then as she's running away, you see the like hut that Mace is in get blown up as well. So he's gone. Then she runs to her dad, where she's like witnessing her dad about to be killed. He escapes. He's shot in the back, and they they take cover together. And basically, her dad says, "You have to go." Um, I'll always be with you. Don't look back. Just run. And I mean, look, I know I'm a big sucker for, for and I'm a big sap and I, I cry easily, but this was really sad. I, I, I cried. I was so alarmed by what had happened. I tried showing my wife and she made me turn it off um, because it was that just scarring. Yeah. You're also forgetting the detail of not only is she now left with only memories of her family, but also a bracelet that glows red to signify that all of the rest of them are dead. Yes, I forgot about her horrible, horrible <laughs> death remembrance yeah. bracelet. Why is that a thing? I, I guess I'm the only cold, cold-hearted yeah. person that did not cry because yeah. I, I felt like I didn't know them really that well as characters. The parents. I, I was crying for Sindel personally yeah i i understand that okay I, I i can see that and i i did feel like i i would have been upset if i were younger and i had watched this when it came out oh yeah oh yeah but, this would have yeah. scarred me if yeah i remembered it but i didn't yeah. remember any of it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> if the melty faces and in indiana jones scarred me this would have scarred me for life yeah <laughs> you don't remember the crypt keeper picking up a little girl and saying you're a pretty prize yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. To me, yeah. like as sad as it was to see the dad and mom 
killed. The dad basically like sending her off. That was what really got me. Yeah. That was the part that that really broke me up. It's just Give horribly him the horn, sad. Yeah, it's that, bad. That was my uh, impression. <laughs> it's an excellent impression. Thank you. Um, <laughs> was the dad recast from the first movie? I don't know. That's a good question. Let me look that up while you're uh, while you guys talk about this. Let me look that up. Yeah, I, I don't remember him being the principal from Breakfast Club. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Thank you. In All my right. head, he's the captain from Alien, but I don't think that's right either. Hmm. Yeah, because he looked like a familiar actor to me in this movie, which I did mm-hmm. not recall from the first movie. Yeah. Uh, principal from the Breakfast Club. Nice one. Yeah, man. I guess this is before he started picking up steam, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although this would it's have like, been right around the same time as the Breakfast Club. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 guess Wait, I don't know. Five? Yeah. Maybe that's why he was only there for one day on set. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's try let's trade this off to Wilford Brimley for no reason. Because it's the same year, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> it is a different you, you were right, they did recast him. Mm-hmm. All right. In the first movie it was a guy named Guy Boyd. Okay. Uh Guy Boyd was in let's see Guy Boyd has a has a relatively robust philography. Oh. He was in Foxcatcher. He was yeah. in um Sister Act. Oh, uh, uncredited in Sister Act, but that's okay. Mm. He was in the Miami Vice TV series for uh, at least a couple of years, it looks like. Mm. Um, but yeah, but then you're right, Matt. They went to Paul Gleason of the Breakfast mm-hmm. Club fame mm. from Jersey wow. City, New Jersey. Look at that. Yeah. Hey. Always New Jersey connection somewhere. Yes, always. Um, oh, yeah, so so then, so, so then let, let's just get to sort of the main plot here. So Sindel is picked up. Um, she and Wicket escape this this uh, for once a quite literal caravan. Wrong movie, but they're in a caravan. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they they sort of go on the run uh, to um, to just just survive. And they they run across this character called uh, Teak. I think we established his name is mm-hmm. right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Teak is a, um, according to Wikipedia, which is the, the the source of all things Star Wars, Teak was a male member of the Teak species. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, so, I had him it, initially written down in my notes as that Mac and Me motherfucker. Do you, you guys ever <laughs> seen Mac and Me? Yeah, <laughs> that was nicer than my woodland. I mean, my woodland creature. Okay. Yeah, I mean he. He does look like a friend of mine who uh, I won't name. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was at my wedding. But I, I, it's confusing. Was Teak a native of? He had to be a native of Endor, yes, right? Yes. It, it okay. says here that he is a native of the forest moon of Endor. As don't okay. forget, Endor is, I believe, um, is Endor the planet, and this is the forest moon of that See, planet. This, is... this, this is the Clone Wars thing again. Mm. Clone War, Clone Wars. Right, like which is it? Is this the moon of the planet Endor? That's what, what I think it is. I think it's the end because it's called the Endor system. Right. You don't name a system after one of the shitty moons. <laughs> right. So like we don't call our our moon the Earth Moon, but if you weren't from here, you would say that is like the Earth Moon, right? I guess. Yeah. The Earth yeah. Moon of Moon. I'm sorry? Oh. The Earth Moon of Moon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um so um 
so yeah, that is uh, that's Teak, and and then they they go with Teak to this what they think is an abandoned cottage, but no, not abandoned. This is where Wilford Brimley lives. His name <laughs> his name is Noah, and yep. he is. Um, I mean, look, I'm not a a mental health professional, <laughs> but I think we can classify him as bipolar pretty easily. Because he mm-hmm. will go from being incredibly sweet to incredibly cruel and back and forth many times. Just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he just decides. How many Ewoks have spurned his advances that he's this bitter? <laughs> yeah, there is, a, there, is no, there is no cap to his anger at <laughs> minor things that happen throughout this film. But then, like, so, that you know, th- there's this moment where... Sindel and Wicket are supposed to stay in the house and do chores because they're not supposed to be freeloaders. And they decide to follow uh, Noah to wherever he goes all day. And when they do that, Wicket gets himself into a snare and is lifted into a tree. And Noah is, I mean, he's pissed that they're there, but then he's hugging Wicket and telling telling him it's okay. Like, there's just, there's no logic to when he is angry and when he's being nice. Mm-hmm. Until about let's call it three quarters of the way in, and then all of a sudden he's more or less just nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very. I can't imagine what the dynamic between him and Teak are, um, on their lonesome. <laughs> they have a very tender hug at the end of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then he leaves okay. them. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts about the end of the movie. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get there. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, Liz, any Teak or Noah thoughts? Ooh, Teak or Noah thoughts. Well, I I feel like in general you you covered it pretty well. I feel like I know what they were going for with Noah. The fact that he was old and grumpy and didn't want to be bothered. But it didn't come across well. It came across as um, borderline abusive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I know what they were going for. I and I always like Wilford Brimley, but it was it was tough to to like him here. I I like Teak. I mean, he was uh I you know a little tough looking, but it was the 80s. So maybe he would have been adorable in 1985. He has not really shown up uh elsewhere. No. Shockingly, I know. Um, He was the baby Yoda of 1985. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I, I get like was this stuff cute in the 80s? It's terrifying now. I know. Yeah, he's he's rough looking, in in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. But yeah, he's one of those characters where there's only so much flexibility with his with his uh, facial reactions. So like when he's when he's sad, he looks the same as when he's happy. <laughs> that is nothing is creepier than that. Like no, imagine if you're a sociopath. Yeah. yeah, imagine if you're at a funeral, and everyone's crying, and Guy Smiley walks in and is like, "Hey, everybody!" Like you know, that's, oh, that's, essentially, that's essentially what what he is here. Um, but yeah, so I, here is one of the one of the nuggets I dug up uh, reading Wikipedia and Wikipedia and all that. So apparently, George Lucas wanted to do a sequel to this movie. And his idea was, because he had just watched the movie Heidi with his kids. So he was like, I know what we should do. We should orphan the girl and find an old man for her to befriend. 
that's where this started. He mm. was like, that's he's he, a monster. Yeah, that's that's a crazy place to begin an Ewok movie. <laughs> oh, I need it. I need an orphan. Don't don't make a new orphan. Don't get a new character. Just murder the family. Wouldn't it have been like super easy to just have the family all kidnapped and she and Wicket aren't kidnapped? And she can, yeah. she can still find Noah. They can still have a rescue mission. Yeah. yeah. But you don't yeah. kill three people for no reason? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's bad. It's real bad. Uh, apparently, this the, the, the plot of this movie developed over two four-hour conversations with George Lucas and the screenwriters. Hmm. That's at least twice as long as I would have assumed. Yeah. Yes. Considering yes, how agree. much of this just like clearly just like lifted from other material. <laughs> um. So all right, that that kind of sets us up for for most of the of the film here. Uh, we we it's important to know that Noah has a spaceship that he's mm -hmm. been working on uh, mm -hmm. to try and get off the planet. That he and a partner crash down there. And uh, the partner went looking for, um, I guess, more fuel or whatever and yeah. dies. We see that partner's skeleton later essentially wearing some sick sunglasses. It's just like a, yeah. a skeleton <laughs> with some sunglasses on his face. Cool dude skeleton. Yeah, which, which Sindel, <laughs> Sindel very morbidly points out to Noah. It's like, hey, Noah, Noah pst, in case you need to know, that's the corpse of your friend. <laughs> I, I'm so mentally damaged at this point that I don't understand that this is bad. Well, I mean, one of my notes here is that Sindel gets, gets like, calloused real quickly because mm -hmm. I don't I, – I didn't bother to learn the name of the evil witch lady. Um, but... Oh, we forgot to mention that there's another human who's also a kind of a crow. Yes, she's, she's like an evil witch crow lady. Yeah, thing. yeah, she's just like Morgana. Yes, yes. <laughs> From Arthur. Like, that's it. They didn't even try. They just put a hard rock. Like, it's an Elvira wig <laughs> and a a ruby ring. Yeah. Yes. And she has a weird sexual relationship with the uh, the, head the monster leader of the pirates. Yeah. So, um, like, the, the Ewoks are freeing everybody. And Sindel basically says, nope, don't free her. And I feel like for a little kid to be that cold, some shit mm -hmm. must have went down. But like we saw yep. what shit went down. Like we understand this. Um, yeah. It's she also has. And this is going to get very meta for a moment. Just bear with me. We see the the interesting morality and faith of the Ewoks in this film. They are like very very much like Vikings. They're survivors. Whatever their situation is. They just do what needs to be done to survive. They really do try to play up to their like mystical, you know, religions. But the baseline is they fight, they survive. If they're alive and you're dead, that's the right thing. Um, I very much think that if the Imperials had recruited the Ewoks, they would have wiped out the rebels. Um, <laughs> and I think she just kind of adopts that thing. It's like, nope, she's against us. So she dies. Like, that's it. There's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. There's not even a question in her mind that, you know, you're against us. I'm surviving. You're not. Um, which we'll talk about where we think Sindel goes after that. But I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Brian. She gets very, like, just callous quick. Yeah, which, which I think is actually 
a relatively accurate portrayal of if you were five years old and mm-hmm. you watched your whole family gunned down and then oh, yeah. had to live with a bear and a grumpy old man. Like, I think I think you'd you'd be pretty cold too. Yeah, the amount of trauma she suffers is just wild. It really <laughs> is. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, listen to this. Let's take a quick break. And then I just want to – I have a bunch of bullet points. I'm sure you guys do too. But, but you know, let's just sort of dig into the minutiae when we come back from this break. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth-1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. And it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. Okay, so Liz, here's my question for you to, to start off sort of the second half of this discussion. Is there um, – do you have a, a better sense after this movie? Because Matt was talking about sort of the like the Ewok like ethics or whatever that are present here, their sort of survival mentality. Do you, do you think you have a better sense of who the Ewoks are and what they're about after having seen these two movies? Or do you feel like you don't, you didn't learn – all that much about the Ewoks here? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I like what Matt said about the Ewoks. And I, I feel like it fits into perhaps what I already thought about them. Um, or what I would assume, <laughs> excuse me, about them. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's already what I would assume, sorry, <laughs> about the Ewoks. Um, Matt, what about you? Do you feel like you learned yeah. a whole bunch more about them? I do, because I think it's always been a real running joke um, about, like, you know, the Ewoks are, like, cute and they're fun, but, you know, they have, you know, Stormtrooper skulls on spokes. Um they have, you know, a dress for a woman that they've killed at some point beforehand that they can put Leia in. And it's been kind of like, ha ha, whatever. But you see that, you know, they don't just take up arms because they believe in the rebel cause. They're warriors and survivors. Um, and I think it does give a much rounder picture of the Ewoks. And I guess, I don't know, I... Because this happens before Jedi, so I guess this Ewok group would then move to the big Ewok village, theoretically. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about e- Ewok history, but <laughs> well, there, you know, that that is an interesting question because I feel like so we we see this castle that the Marauders, pirates, whatever you want to call them, that they you know occupy throughout the film, but we have no idea how big the moon actually is. So I feel like there could be that big Ewok settlement on the other side of the moon, or it could have been like ten minutes away. I have I have no idea, like the sense of scale here, right? Um, yeah. Well, that that's interesting. But even when we talk about like 
in Jedi, the Imperials seem to have no knowledge that the Ewoks exist. Right. Despite having set up an entire base there. Which is crazy to me. Right. Um, but I don't I don't know. Well so that's that's sort of part of my my question here. It's just like so so there are these Ewoks that obviously at some point live in shadow, right? Because even when Luke and Leia and that whole team gets there, they don't really see them until Leia is separated from the pack and then Wicket comes out to like to investigate her, right? So clearly mm-hmm. they, they sometimes keep to themselves. And it seems like the only reason that Sindel and her family ever really interact with them is because they were there for long enough, right? And Sindel gets kind of mess- mixed up in their business, as does Mace. But yeah. it's not like they are ambassadors, right? Who like when you when you land there, they come to greet you and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, so there seems to be, like you said, this sort of sense of us versus them. Doesn't it seem like they would have encountered the Empire long before Jedi, if that was the case? Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's all also too. I wonder what the relationship is between the the Empire and the Ewoks. They might have had a peaceful relationship up until um the rebels came and claimed they were gods and <laughs> utilized their like fanatic devotion to their religion to turn against the Empire. To I mean they, they could have they could have been claims to be a god. That's oh, that's true. That, yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if they had peaceful terms up until that point. I also recognize we're going deep into a kids' movie here, like not even a movie that kids can enjoy, but like something firmly meant for children. Um, yeah. So, apologies. I mean, vaguely meant for children. I don't. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know if I would show this to a child. Um, <laughs> it's very scarring. Yes. Um. But but you know I I just I find it very very interesting that this is supposed to take place but before Return of the Jedi, because I feel like after at least you know we don't know how many Ewoks there are on Endor but we know Wicket is there for both of these things right, mm-hmm. and you would think that Wicket would recognize humans as being similar to his pal Sindel, and he seemingly has mm. no concept of that. Right, well, he's but he, he's also encountered a human that is an evil sorceress. That is true. Okay, yeah. that is definitely. True. I mean, he he's forgotten his high school Spanish uh, basic. <laughs> well, at this so point, it, it, it's. I'm glad you brought that up. I in one, some of the reading I did, apparently there's some story in a in a Star Wars magazine or something where they they talk about how there's evidence that it is not basic that they are speaking. But that it's been translated into basic for our like understanding, and so that's why it's not a continuity error. Mm. Because like we are seeing Wait, it basic what? because we speak basic, but that they were speaking a different language, which which would explain why Wicket can't communicate with Luke, Leia, Han, etc. But what other language would those humanoids be speaking? Because the one thing I will say for this film that does better than most other sci-fi and or fantasy of the time is they do very much stick to native languages. The Ewoks speak Ewok, the pirates speak pirate and they're 
somewhat bilingual and can communicate um, with them, but they all have their own native languages that they generally communicate in. Yeah. I, I <laughs> it, it just seemed like they needed to find a reason why Wicket can can and then cannot speak basics. They were like, oh, it wasn't basic. It was a different language. Hmm. Yeah. But again, the decision to teach him basic happened after the other, like by the guy who made the other movie. <laughs> well, again. Again, these decisions are again, like, like the entire new trilogy, arbitrary decisions at best, poor planning at worst. Take your yes. pick, which crappy, you know, thing you want to say. Yes, um, I, I concur with that. Um, all right, so let's let's check off a couple more boxes here. Matt, is there anything you particularly wanted to talk about? Um, my favorite scene in the movie. Well, I have two favorite scenes in the movie. Um, the first one is definitely when the witch brings the power source to the uh, pirate leader, and it's like, make it work. It's like, what? <laughs> make it work how do you make it work it's very much i don't know if you're a schitt's creek fan it's very much the fold in the cheese moment um where clearly neither one of these idiots knows what's going on um and they're in a moment where they're both trying to prove that they do um i like that a lot and then the prison it, it was break it was refreshing because i feel <laughs> like so many times in in these type of movies you see one character the character comes across like a very specific tool and knows exactly how the tool is used and why it's used. Yeah. Whereas here's like, we know this is power, make it work. So I agree. That was good. Yes. I like that. And then I've, I will go on the record as saying, although this movie is terrible and weird, the prison break here better than the prison break in, um, mm. in solo. As much as I love the, like the Attica robot moment, <laughs> the fact that yep. without, Without missing a beat, the Ewoks grab weapons, start killing everybody, and then just start making their way like badasses through the castle was amazing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say better than the prior Ewok movie, not better than Solo. Oh, no, better than Solo. <laughs> uh, this didn't have a giant creepy spider, though. The last movie. Yeah. True. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Or with that that weird rope. Yeah. Well, they also situation. they also didn't have a bunch of guns, which yeah. is why this one's better too. And they were <laughs> gleefully using those guns. Yes! So the last movie where they seemed very hesitant. Here they're like, yeah, guns. <laughs> yeah. That again, that very flexible morality. Yes. It's, I think they very they they felt worse killing the spider than killing the pirates. Seemed to be the case. Yes. I, yeah. I would agree with that. There was well. some moral hesitation killing these creatures that were doing what creatures do versus these humanoids that are doing evil things. Right, right. Yeah. One of them, one of them, they're invading the spider space. Mm -hmm. And one of them are, are you know, space marauders. Mm -hmm. um, I will say this. I was shocked when I looked down at the counter on my computer screen and saw that when they, when Wilford Brimley rolls up to the castle, there's still 41 minutes left in the movie. I was like, wait a minute. This yeah. isn't the big finale. There's still 41 nope. more minutes left. Well, you got you got to have a, a Mortal Kombat one-on-one -on -one showdown between Wilford Brimley and the Githyanki leader. Yes. Did that was unexpected. Yeah. Did not expect that at all. No. You also have to have a really weird ending that was made even more Ooh. ambiguous in editing. So here's, the <laughs> here's one of the things I read about that blew my mind. So we we know that there's this ring that the evil witch lady wears 
that is sometimes taken by Pirate King also. And so he Pirate King is fighting Noah. And in the original film, Sindel yells, do something, Wicket. Use your sling. Hit the ring. And so he pulls his sling out and boom, hits the ring. And the guy burns from the inside in a, in a, in a weirdly graphic <laughs> way. <laughs> in this movie? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so the, that line was edited like years later for the DVD release to say, do something, Wicket, do something. So then Wicket pulls out this sling and you don't under, like to me, the first line is way more clear. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was yeah. changed. Was it because it rhymed? <laughs> I don't know. It's very odd. It's just so strange. Uh, but the weirdest part of that whole sequence is so the, the Ewoks basically have like two minutes to home alone the forest and like make traps <laughs> and uh, you know do stuff. <laughs> and one of the things they do is they take a saw and they just cut like rings of a tree. Like they just cut a tree into like slices, like like you're slicing a a, a bunt cake or something, and mm-hmm. they roll these tree slices at the pirates, and they run away as if there's wild dogs chasing them. They are running <laughs> from these slices of tree, in, in in like their hands are up in the air. They're like Kermit the Frog running away from it. I could not believe how yeah. afraid they were of these pieces of wood. That yeah. made me laugh very much. Also, uh, we didn't talk about how the aliens, uh, the pirates, have vuvuzelas. Yeah. <laughs> start playing with at some point. Yeah, they have vuvuzelas. They also have the um, what are they? Gundarks? No, that's something else. They have blurgs. The... Blurgs. Very large blurgs. Like those must be yeah. full-size adult blurgs. Yeah. Maybe they just are larger on Endor or something. Yeah. Endor yeah. blurgs. <laughs> What if Endor is like yeah. Texas and everything is larger on Endor? <laughs> yeah, on Endor. Yeah. Ooh, I, I would also like to mention that the, um, the the head pirate guy, when he does get the power or whatever, doesn't he say, I have the power like He-Man? <laughs> yes. Pretty much, yes. Okay, all right. I, I felt like I had to mention that. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. No um, so, you know, they, so, so they, they, they fight they win and then you see um noah gets the power source back he fixes up the ship and he decides that he and sindel are leaving endor or the forest moon whatever we're calling it alone yeah so well so she uh sindel says to wicket early on like you should come with us when her family's leaving and wicket's like no this is where my family is which makes total sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, he's he's her best friend. He uses a term she taught him. So he probably doesn't even know what best friend actually means. He just knows <laughs> what Sindel has taught him it means. Um, and, you know, so I understand why he is quick to just, like, pounce and get out of there. Or not quick to pounce and get out of there. But Teak makes no sense to me why Teak wouldn't go with them. Mm. What does Teak have on Endor? I don't. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Native. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I I question why did Cinda leave Endor? Well, I guess that... she's a child and doesn't have her own like opinions. But like you, you are a homeless kid. You're an orphan. Do you well, think that old crazy man has a mansion on Coruscant? Right. Like, like you're but... living in that ship, either in space or on Endor. 
Like, why mm. why leave? Like you said at the beginning, she has to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. one of my notes was just, I wrote, this poor kid has lost everything, and now Noah's making her lose the only other thing she has, which which is wicked. Yeah. Yeah, which is why... I don't think she becomes Phasma, even though the math might work out. She 100% joins the Empire because she's seen the damage that worlds left on their own devices can do. You mean the First Order? Not the First Order. I would see her as regular Empire. But the like, Empire like, would be gone by the time she goes, this is supposed to be like a year mm-hmm. before Jedi. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I Because I could see her much as more of like a, like a Moff-type character. Like a empire character but i guess you'd have to join the first order then yeah i don't really see her as much so much as a fanatic but somebody wants to bring actual order to the universe she might even be just like the equivalent of the tea party in the uh in the new republic Mm -hmm. just like the far right like we have to control all these systems that are under our control you know we have to yeah basically the the, the law and order party of the republic yeah i can definitely see that as well yeah, she definitely is hunting space pirates. Not not as cleanly as a Han Solo, but maybe more of a Dash Rendar. That little splash of, you know, outlaw more. Yes. But yeah, because I could see her very much the Punisher, any means necessary. Because she has lost all moral compass. I could see that. I could definitely <laughs> see that. Um. So I, I definitely have some thoughts on uh, on her in a second, but I, I wanted to talk about two other quick things. So this is the most disturbing thing I read. So there used to be a magazine called Holonet, which was like a Star mm-hmm. Wars fiction magazine. And I'm, I'm just going to read this directly from, from uh, I believe this is from Wikipedia or Wikipedia, I'm not sure which one. Holonet issue number 49, published in 2002, was an issue of the In-Universe News Report. In the regional section of the issue, the article, Model Starship Search Abandoned, explained that the search had been called off for the rescue of Salak Wheat and Noah Brinquilon, Noah from the film, which had been mm. funded by Salak's father, uh, Jim K. Wheat. The search was said to have been called off due to the fact that Jim K. had to file bankruptcy due to his expenses in the search. Oh. So it's canon that the dead guy's dad went broke trying to find his son. Hmm. Why does this Man. keep getting sadder? Right? <laughs> Why? Yeah. I don't I don't know. And how is like Endor this Bermuda Triangle of nowhere? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, I, an, there's an Imperial base there. At this point, yeah. What <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I know the galaxy yeah. is a big place, but like, you know, you start with the Imperial hotspots, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, I'm so interested. Okay, six years. They have to have started building the... Um, the, the, the force field generator? Yeah, well, the force field generator slash Death Star 2. Like, that's a pretty high traffic area. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It makes less sense the more you look at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe in the, the HD re-release, we'll, we'll add in some... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody some will say McClunky. 
and uh, <laughs> and we'll, oh man, yeah, we'll get something else here. So I I did want to talk about um sort of these characters going forward. So we mentioned the Blurgs. The Blurgs appear in um the Mandalorian in the I think it's the first mm-hmm. episode or maybe second episode when Mando Arthur. meets um the Ugnot. Yeah, it has to be the first one then. Um yeah. And apparently they were also in the Clone Wars at least once. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the Twilix ride them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um but that's really the only bit of this that has been established elsewhere. So here here is my crackpot theory. Everybody put on the tinfoil hats for a second here, okay? Ready. Ready. Mm-hmm. So Disney has been very slow in sort of metering out the non-canon Star Wars stuff for Disney Plus. Like they put they put up all the Lego stuff early, but they've been slowly integrating some of the stuff. So there's been nothing with the droids cartoon yet. And I believe they're saving that because there's going to be that new droids movie they announced. Like this, the three PO R two D two Disney Plus uh, direct animation film, uh, so they're probably saving the droids release for that. Okay, but why would they release this now? My thought <laughs> is that either in the book of Boba Fett or uh, whatever that whatever that I always want to, I always want to call it Rangers of the New Republic, but I don't think that's what it's called. It's uh, mm-hmm. whatever that show is. Or Mandalorian, or you know, um, Andor. It probably wouldn't be Andor or Obi Wan because those are going to take place mm-hmm. sort of before this. I think we're going to see Sindel in one of these shows. Oh, oh wow! How oh, cool would that be? Imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. I, so here's the thing: Mandalorian takes place approximately seven years after Return of the Jedi, so approximately eight years after this. So she's five here. So that puts her, you know, as a late tween, whatever. But if those yeah. shows keep going forward, I could totally see like a sixteen-year-old Sindel being a part of those shows. Yes, yeah. hmm. I mean we already see we already have like tween Boba Fett, so that's an age they could work with. Right, that's true. Yeah, I hmm. also think that there's no reason. I, I just feel like. If you're if, if you're bringing out this stuff deliberately in stages, I don't know why this is the time you bring this out. Yeah, that, that, yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, and it, it, it's not something that it seems like people were necessarily clamoring for. I, mean, I was. I say, but... <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> no one besides this immediate group is anyone I know. <laughs> no, they 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 just wanted to in the same like couple weeks released the darkest material of both star Wars and Marvel just so people could just embrace it on Disney plus. I think this is a show for kids. Well, get ready. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I know there's, I know there's nothing to back it up except for the fact that we have seen consistently that John Favreau and Dave Filoni love taking stuff from the lesson, lesser and forgotten star Wars uh, mm-hmm. media and incorporating it into stuff you know i mean I, pedro hidalgo did give a definitive timeline of what sindel's life or like where she fits in with everything so there's thought to where sindel goes going forward when was that established uh, uh it was one of his twitter things where he will like correct people when people were talking about the theory 
um, with Phasma. Uh-huh. He like laid it out how old she would be at each point in the series. Oh, okay. I, mean, that, I think that was a while ago. That was back before we knew anything about Phasma. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, we thought we were going to learn things about Phasma. <laughs> Fair. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just have a bunch of different directors and not write a story. It's like, okay, that's going to go well for all character development. Good job, guys. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, the Phasma thing seems plausible to me. Only because, as we've said before, Star Wars loves to connect everybody. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think you're going to see Sindel doing her own thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's it, exciting. It is exciting. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would make more sense to add her somewhere else because Phasma's kind of already over and done with and it's just yes. a mystery. And mm-hmm. also, I, I don't think that it's crazy to think that in eight years she wouldn't be with Noah anymore or Noah would be dead. I think either of those are logical. Like, one of my questions is, like, does he bring her to a space orphanage? It's almost like... I don't a, know. Did he... It's almost like a Jin Erso situation. Yeah. yeah, or um, have you guys ever watched the um, the Chronicles of Riddick? Oh, I stuff? have. Yeah. It's, she's, she very much could be the girl from um, Pitch Black. Hmm. Where she gets taken in by the Imam, and then he ends up dead, and then she ends up um, falling into the wrong side of things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Good movies, good movies. Yeah. Well, good movie. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, I was in yeah. A, fun fact, I was in a test audience for Chronicles of Riddick. Ah. <laughs> and you're like, just put more prologue. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, so that... I would definitely like to see more. And I would also be happy because if she is on the more villainous side of things or the morally gray, it's in this kind of outer ring stuff that we get to see really cool villains, not just like very, um, I don't know, straw man Nazis who get knocked over immediately. Right. Yeah, it'd be fun to see like which side she falls on as she grows mm-hmm. up and how yeah. all of these events did affect her. Yeah, I can see I can see a Jenner, so yeah. I like that. Yeah, Man. absolutely. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really think I don't think there's too much else. So we didn't mention that crazy witch lady is trapped in the form of a crow <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, was I, I she was she originally a crow, and then became a like a a washed up hard rock chick? <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, which is the real? I don't. Whatever. Right, but but whichever was the original form, she is now trapped in this form. So I don't yeah, think she's now just her. a crow. There is apparently some extended fiction about the um about the marauders. And like mm. so that leader dies, and apparently his son takes over that group. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if you see those characters as like in passing. If Mando has to like get a bounty on one of them, something like that. I, I don't think there's going to be mm-hmm. too much more than that, though. To me, the only character here that makes any sense to do more with would be Sindel. Yeah. Yeah. Or frankly, Wicked. Hmm. I'm kind of shocked we haven't gotten more Wicked stuff. That's true. I yeah. mean, I get. Could we? Could we make it very clear? Any of our feelings towards, um, 
Oh wait, was he played by what's his face in these? Yeah, by 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 by, uh, by... Warwick Davis. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to make it very clear that any of my opinions um, about the Ewoks, about the Ewok films, have nothing to do with him. He's great, and he is a gem of a person, and really like a crown jewel of the Star Wars universe. So. I just want to put it on record in case, you know, it ever gets his way. <laughs> Have you ever seen his TV series, Life's Too Short? No. Yes. Oh. It's... oh. <laughs> Liz, it's fantastic. It's okay. uh, it's Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant for, who created The Office. Mm-hmm. And it's about him trying to get back into acting. And uh, it's just – there's a Liam Neeson <laughs> scene we may have to watch after this. Uh <laughs> I, I might have to share my screen so we can watch this Liam Neeson. Scene. It's one of the one of the best scenes in TV history. Just, just fantastic. But anyway, um, all right. So we're running long here. Any final thoughts on um, the battle for Endor? Um, re- Noah really needs to be wearing pants around children. That nightgown had nothing underneath it, and it was terrifying. And that's only one of 20 reasons why a child should not watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do not recommend for, for kids. That's my, that's my vote. That's a, that's an excellent vote. Yeah. Um, so there, there is, there is a two season animated series that's spun out of this, but takes place years before this. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to really cover that in detail. Uh, maybe we'll watch the pilot or something. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't... I'll watch it because I, I really liked droids um, as a series. Mm-hmm. I remember it having a lot to do with genocide. Um, so again, like really overshooting the mark of a children's film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, and those series came out around the same time. It's amazing to me that there was all of this Star Wars stuff happening that was all weird and for kids, and then we just got nothing for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Aside from books and comics and stuff. But like no no television or film Star Wars stuff from, I want to say, I want to say Droids wrapped up in 87 along with the Ewok uh, cartoon series. I want to say that was 87 that stopped. So it was 12 years between the end of that and the be- and the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. So it's a long time. And then I guess uh, Return of uh, Revenge of the Sith was 2005, I want to say. It went from Ye- 2005 to 2015 with 10 years without with that live action. But we had Clone Wars. Yeah, we, we, we started with the remasters, the re-releases. Hmm. Ninety-eight? Ninety-seven, I think. Ninety-seven? I want to say it was the 20th anniversary of Star Wars. Oh, okay. Of A New Hope, you know. Yeah, so it's... But yeah, yeah, it's just wild. So maybe we'll eventually get to the Ewoks TV show, but not for a little while, I would think. Um, But anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, we truly appreciate it. We'll be back in two weeks with something or other. And until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. 